Kip. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I heard I got in early and heard about the Red Bull vodka. I, I just wondered if I. Could... Oh, did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, with COVID, we've all been basically operating from home. Yeah. And uh, basically, I was sitting down with a couple of our staff, and uh, we were basically talking about how do we feel like everybody is doing, right? Um, Sorry, I'm thrown off because you're sideways on my screen. Oh, um, do I need to switch myself? Let me do this. Probably. Well, now you're upside down. Oh, let me do this. I'm pulling myself. There we go. I think we're in. There it is. There we go. Uh, but so it ended up in a side conversation because usually we'll do Friday afternoon. We'll do something light, right? Have, right. have a couple of cocktails. And we ended up in some weird side conversation about how, despite all the stimulants in a Red Bull, if you have a Red Bull vodka, seemingly it will relax you. And uh, I went on a probably ill-advised ramble about wanting somebody to do a study on why that ends up being the case. So that's what you caught. Probably more than you cared to hear. But. No, that's right. That's right. I'm a talker myself, so I always like to elaborate and... and uh, you know, people were joking today. Maybe an hour is probably now going to be enough for you to learn to ramble. Well, that's where maybe Instagram helps us both because it will shut this thing off after an hour. So there's only so much damage we can do. So I, I, I appreciate that. And, and more importantly, so does my wife. <laughs> well, that's why I go do these in the office. Um, that way my wife doesn't have to have to hear me ramble too much um she's probably gotten enough of it since covid started that's for sure um so just to kind of set the stage for anybody who's who's listening you and i've had one i think quality conversation but outside of that we don't really know each other that well so there'll be a little bit of that mixed in with our conversation right um no doubt and one of like i think one of the interesting starting points and i think your passion comes through on this is uh, the fact that you have a, uh, a very specific academic track um, that most people don't have, like that kind of fits into our world. And I wonder if you can just give an overview of that from the beginning, because I think it's a great starting point. Yeah, yeah, Skip, first of all, I, I just want to thank you and, and for the opportunity and based off of one mutual connection, this kind of jumped into something big. And, and I, I think that that's been the story for me through this whole process the entire time is how, you know, I told you I got on and started listening to your, your, your podcasts and, and we talk about concentric circles. And I was like, man, I got to coin that term also. I got to bring it in because it, it's true. And, and it happens so, so frequently in this little journey here that it's not even funny. I think the, the hard background for other people to wrap around is that I really truly haven't been a strength coach for most of my career. I've been an athletic trainer um, in, in the field as, as far as at Ohio Northern. I've been here for 22 years now. And up until last year at this time, I was head athletic trainer. Um, I've been certified in strength and conditioning for over 20 years. And so always dabbled in that education side. And, and, and as, as we noted, always looking for challenges or things that change up my career. And so as I got longer in the tooth and further into athletic training at Ohio Northern, um, I'm going to be real honest with you. My son was in a position where he was going to be possibly able to start playing college sports. I wanted to kind of free up that athletic time, 
that I had committed to Ohio Northern. And then the transition started going, okay, so what can we do? How, how can we, we, we make that a program? My, my wife here is the athletic training program director. And anybody who's kind of in that realm knows that that switched to a master's degree program not too long ago. And so we had to make the decision if we were going to pursue that at Ohio Northern. And we decided not to um, because we just don't have a lot of master's programs at ONU. And so then that kind of put a concentrated effort for both of us to kind of figure out a career path. And, and so we started within Exercise Fizz a concentration last year in strength and conditioning, which involved about four or five classes. And up until that point, I taught a couple classes in strength and conditioning up in, in Exercise Fizz. And, and so it kind of morphed into this to the point of at the, at the end of the last fall, they came to me and said, hey, what about a major? So it was ONU's jump that kind of pushed me to do that. And I was oh, okay. Like, I was like, okay, let's push on the gas. So, um, so the administration actually brought that idea to you. Yeah. So do you have, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're all right. Go ahead. I was just going to ask if you knew sort of what the genesis of that was, because generally speaking, like in, in sort of our mutual world, <laughs> there's a large conversation around trying to give strength conditioning the credit that it deserves. Right. So it's unique to hear it come top down. So, so I think it needed to be nudged a little bit. We nudged it with the concentration. And then, and then as my position kind of changed and went from kind of a half staff, half education role, then they saw a need probably to fill that gap a little bit more when they were taking a part of it away and adding this. And so when they came to us, it was based off of some projections because as you know, athletic training and, and upper ed in general is kind of hitting this kind of financial hardship, so to speak. And so we had kind of got ahead of that as a university early and, and made some conscious decisions. Well, when we bring in these mutual, these outside firms to kind of look at where we need to invest or we need to go, one okay. of the as they talked about was exercise science, strength and conditioning. So the timing of it was great for us. And so when they saw that I was pushing the concentration, they came back and kind of said, well, can we make this a little bit more based on the projections? And I about, you know, did backflips because deep inside I want to control that emotion. But in the same sense, I'm like, absolutely. When do you, when do you want me to start? So last spring it was with the proposal going forward with the proposal. And that took a lot. That was a lot of investment and, and those sorts of things. But I, I tended to investigate this quite a bit with our old interns, with our alumni reaching out to, alumni that we had had in the field, what would you want to do now in undergrad that you wish you would have had that you now know after being in the field, you could have had or should have had? Let's let's back this up and go, okay, so you help me with curriculum. Uh, we had a couple of kids that were interning at the time at Oregon under Coach Feld and Coach File was there at the time that were great resources for me because when I went out there and visited, I said, hey, this is what I'm trying to start give me your input. Most people aren't that, most people don't have that opportunity in that realm to kind of get involved in the education side. Sure. So I was like, hey, why not ask them? Because I knew my weakness was not having coached except at the high school level in this part. So I, I'm comfortable with dealing with people, doing all that piece, but I needed to go fill that void. And that was actually people that are dealing with these types of, of 
undergrads coming into their profession, what could we prepare them more in? And they just started spilling it. So were there, were there some things, were there some commonalities that, that came out right away in those conversations? Like, did you have a pretty quick stack rank in terms of like these three things are the most obvious need because all these conversations keep pointing that direction or was it a mixed bag? I, I think there, there was a general overall theme. And the first thing, I don't know if I can give you three, but I can definitely give you one. And the yeah, I wasn't looking for three exactly. So. <laughs> the, the first thing that came out was definitely they feel as though the kids aren't clinically prepared. So when, when we go into this, when, when we go into this realm, just simply whether it be communicating with people, whether it be dealing with small groups, whether it be dealing with a large group, dealing one on one, professionally dealing one on one versus dealing with a coach, and trying to expose them to experiences like that was a big concern of theirs. Just having them be more clinically ready. And when I started looking at the profession as a whole so much of the internship position that we house within strength and conditioning is used very educationally to prepare. And I thought to myself, well, if we can get them better prepared prior to that experience, maybe we can kind of give a better product when we, when we get to that point. And so that's one thing I, I heard quite a bit. The, the other thing that I heard quite a bit was just experience or exposure to software types of tracking things. E even if it's, a team builder, even not to not to name drop, but some of the things that are out there. You know what? We like you can you can talk about whoever you like. Like my attitude is, everyone knows that there are companies out there that do a variety of things. So, like, is we can all just kind of talk about it and just be candid about it, as opposed to like pushing product. Right. So, so I'm good. Like, right. if, if team builder is a great example for what you're working on, no worries. Right. I I think it what it what it what the exposure was was simply there's tech out here. A lot of our kids don't have exposure to it till we get here. Can we get them involved with that? That was number two for me, and and that I heard a lot. And then the other one was really was really kind of interesting to me, and and won't name names, but I heard this at a couple of places. Is just being able to have them longer for a clinical experience. So if we were gonna line up an internship, could we have the spring semester open to have them go to Iowa State, sit at Ohio, Iowa State, and then transition into a summer internship where we could have them longer? Because right. they, felt as though, they felt as though that once they got them trained to the Iowa State way or the Ohio Northern way, that then they had to leave. And, and, and then the flip side was, could we bring them in the summer and then keep them into the fall? So one of the curricular things I did was something I got from my own son who was in a major at Ohio Northern in construction management was they freed up a semester. So they basically mirrored the fall and spring semester, their senior year to kind of free one of those up for that opportunity. I thought it was a great idea. And now, so we're starting to kind of meld those things, but it was all off of what I heard from them and tried to make a comp conscious effort to address those things because I needed some steering there, there, there's no really roadmap for this. This is fairly new. It is new. And, and nobody really to bounce things off of but people in the field. So sure. I thought it was interesting. When, um, so I'm thinking what happens if like a, a student who like is considering this major, like hears you describe that and they hear this term clinical experience. I wonder if you might break that down a bit. So like kind of I'm not sure everyone's going to know what you mean, right? I, so, so what is that clinical experience that you're that you're talking about? You know, 
we we use coin terms like that a lot, Skip. And I think I just got asked by a prospective student that today. Give me some examples of clinical, because I think we throw jargon around in whatever field we may be in a lot. Amen. Yeah. So I, I think that we can get caught up in those things and assuming that everybody knows. So I think that's a great question. I, I think just practical, hands-on type of approach. The I, I always refer to it kind of the art of strength and conditioning, the art of coaching, because I think there's things in all of our professions that really involve an art side. There's a curricular-based side that is is really important to me, that there's a science-based side. There's an explanation for a lot of things. Science is science. We can back that up. We can do those things. But I have never been asked to do a job-related thing when I go into an interview. And so for me, that, that's really interesting. I never got asked to do a Lockman's exam when I was an athletic trainer to show you whether your ACL was torn. I never got asked to do a clean or show me how to break down those things when you go into those realms. And I think the same thing is true. So if that's not of importance to your employer, what do we need to start working on and looking at from them? And can I convey maybe outside the curricular or including the curriculum that really gives these kids a better shot at doing what they can do? So having that in mind, when we went back and developed the curriculum, I didn't want them going out and doing an internship until they had a practicum experience at Ohio Northern where we could really get them in a position where they could make a mistake and feel comfortable. And, and so I want to put them involved with sports and, and under a strength conditioning in uh, athletics here at ONU and almost treat it like an athletic training student was prior to in, in a internship, a curricular role that way where they can deal with stuff that happens every day, see what's on the strength and conditioning um, coach's plate and kind of see the inner workings of that prior to going to an internship experience. And my wife, Shelly, was sitting down and talking to me the other day, and she goes, man, I think there might be a need for another another practicum piece. And I kind of looked at her and, and went, okay, let, let's hear it. Let's share it. And she goes, nothing that would be required, but let's make it elective. And, and, and she goes, we can just call it advanced practicum. And so in the first one, they can learn how to coach. They can learn how to communicate better. But after they've taken a testing and measurement class in strength and conditioning, now let's put this second one in where they can do maybe some more conversation in a, in a field related to you in more data analytics. Let's do some more testing with teams. Let's try to implement that piece and work on that communication piece. So an advanced kind of practicum before they'd even go. And then to me, that was kind of filling this gap that all of these coaches were talking about with clinical kind of uh, be, being behind the clinical application ball and, and hopefully I could be way off, but that's where we're going to start targeting this here at ONU. Well, you know, it sounds like you're, you're minimizing your chances of being way off given, given the number of conversations, right? Like, um, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, kind of absconding a phrase here, but standing on the shoulders of giants, right? In that approach of I'm going to have this wide variety of conversations. I'm going to see where the commonalities are. And it will keep me from missing, right, as, as far as I might otherwise. Right. You, you hope to aim small, miss small, right? That, that's the whole thing, you know, here. And, and I think by doing that, that, that's what's been crazy for me, Skip, about this whole process. And, and really not too many people talk positively about COVID. And I don't know that I'm completely there yet, 
but what it did for me is in the spring when things were shut down, it created availability for strength and conditioning coaches to have the time to maybe talk to me. And, and, and I think we've heard that as a kind of a common theme, and you may have experienced this a little bit with your, your own podcast, but when I would reach out to people now, Skip, I was getting an hour and a half hour individual conversations with these coaches, and then you were starting to connect the dots with people that you knew back to, again, your circles comment, and then the conversation just went longer. And, and, and to me too, all, a lot of these coaches it amazes me how much of a D3 connection they have. Maybe if they attended a Division three, they played football coach Corella at Georgia Tech, played right at Defiance College, which is right up the road from us, and, and Coach Day, Coach, you know, all these coaches that I can go down, and as I was watching their podcasts and stuff, I was or, or listening, I was like, wait a minute, where are these guys from? They're, they're giving a lot of D3 type of references, and then I'd look it up, and then that would be my entry. So I just enter with that. Hey, we're trying to start something, and here we go. Once I felt comfortable with my university contacts, I felt a really, a really deficiency in my high school contract contacts, and especially in the state of Ohio. High school strength and conditioning is really big, and so I wanted to be able to place and help those kids that were in our program, but help strength and conditioning coaches, and kind of get my name in the door with those guys so they could help me again with input with education on my side kind of getting this started so one night i'm sitting home during covid and twitter blasts uh, uh national high school strength and conditioning coaches meeting for ohio zoom meeting and so i contacted the person on a cold call and i said hey coach christinger do you mind letting me in and that night there was 40 some people in the room and they wanted to talk more. I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be that person in that room. And it turned out to be, they wanted to know more about it. And I've created now links in that environment that they're asking me for information. And believe me at this point, I think it should be the other way around, but I'm happy and obliged to kind of take their questions, but I more appreciate their input and will appreciate it even more once we start placing kids in their environments and they get feedback to what we need to change and, and what we need to keep working on, you know, as you and Coach McKeever had that conversation, a permanent beta, right? You know, always changing. And I think if you're ever comfortable, then you better start looking around because somebody's going to pass you up. Well, yeah. Amen to that. Um, I'm curious. So as you're reaching in, to the high school level and having conversations in Ohio, are you already seeing sort of a reciprocal effect where that's creating student athlete interest in the program as well? So, so this major literally got approved. I, I was looking back. It's not even four months old. So that's- Oh, the, wow. I didn't realize it was that, that new. That's the crazy thing about this. So I am very grateful we have six majors in this year's class already with really no marketing, okay? And with it being such a niche, you know, I think it's pretty specific. I'm not gonna lie, that's a concern. So I think kind of getting that message out is important, but yes, with high school recruits coming to the university, it has always been an interest. And so my goal kind of going forward with this was, I needed to get some tech in place and some things that the kids were going to use in the concentration currently. My juniors and seniors, hey, this is going to be 
something that really exposes them. What can I finish their career out here with education? Kind of get latched onto that. But those types of things that are in a drawer, they don't attract the, the senior in high school, the junior in high school. A couple of my vendors put it, they need some eye candy, some eye swag in that, in that realm. And so when you're able to talk to a kid that's interested in strength and conditioning, now in a dedicated lab classroom like we're developing there with a rack in the front and now you have these electronics that are out there you can show video of your kids working with a couple football players the other day for for two hours in an open lab situation when you can show that then you can start to link this is clinical application this is practical application and they're sitting there and they're listening to what you're saying and I can have the best group of people around me in the world, and I think I do, but unless you have things that they see with their eyes, it's hard for this age group to really buy into that. And, and so I think it was important getting that start. And so now we're in a gray dungeon type racquetball room, painted area with some pretty cool equipment. And as far as I could go monetarily, and that's getting painted over break, and I can't wait to come back when it's new and then just continue to build on that because it's pretty cool. I leave the door open all day long, Skip. I have things running up on the on the TV monitor in there that it's right next door to a golf indoor golf simulator that we have at Northern, and everybody stops at the golf simulator. I want people to start, even people that aren't interested in our major, to start looking in there and going, wait a minute, Take what's a, going on? Taking because, a peek. Something interesting yeah. is going on in there. Yes, what is going on? Like the zoo. <laughs> um, do you feel like, you know, four months in, um, I'm sure it's hard to kind of gauge, but do you also see this as having a direct positive impact on athletics at the school as well? Like how closely do you feel like you're going to, because that's always another conversation point with the people we work with is how closely is, is a lab setting that may be on campus, right, yeah. tied to the actual athletic department in the sense of athletes competing every day. So, so the interesting thing about Northern at this point was when we were going forward with the concentration at the same time, we were going forward with a head strength conditioning coach because before it had always been a part-time position. And so we brought the head, we brought the head coach strength and conditioning coach forward on the recommendation of our, our coaching staff at ONU. So I was grateful for that kind of going forward together. And then right when we were able, we were in a position to offer that, it got kind of put on hold by COVID. So we were ready to offer the position. So it is, again, going to be in a position where it comes back up in May. But I look forward to being able to work with that person very closely as we move forward and want them to be involved with that. But now, since we are in that position, let me give you some great examples. Football, we have, obviously we have a lot of athletes in the concentration at ONU. We have a lot of athletes that are interested in this major. So when they play those sports, they, they are gonna be in this field. So they look at things and they go, this might not be done quite the correct way. And, and it's a time for me to introduce to them the art of having a professional conversation, right? So, so just, you know, you can't go back and say, yaha, nah, -uh. This sucks. This is not the right way. You have to be able to have these conversations professionally because you're going to be in this field. And let's see if we can make some movement. You bring the problem back. Let's work on it in an open lab session. 
and let's figure out how to change testing for this sport. Let's figure out how to use a jump mat for this sport. And now that we've kind of opened that a little bit to the coaches, they are starting to ask a lot of a lot more questions. And Skip, I try to probably give my kids a little, a lot more freedom just because of the situation and go, okay, we're going to have a staff meeting, staff meaning my, my kids in open lab. If you want to come in and give what your concern is, then I'll kind of help them formulate a plan to put together. But I think it's really important in my role here. My wife will quickly remind me, Shelly will remind me, don't get too far out of your skis and do a, do a little bit over a big area. Kind of concentrate this on what it's supposed to be about and do it right. If you're going to make pizza, make pizza. Don't make pizza and sell burgers and do this because I, I think it could get really watered down. So sure. we do the best service that we can and get these kids exposed to some of those and help out because we do think we have a little more knowledge than what maybe coach A or B has simply in this, in the, in this environment as volleyball coach or football coach, or, you know, I'm not calling those sports out individually, but in this area, they lean on us because they think we know more and we should honestly know a little bit more. And so how can we assist or we can aid with them is, is really important. And, and I think that kind of relationship will then bridge this exercise science piece even more when we get somebody in the position and now they can lean on both things a little bit. And also the coach that's in place, strength coach is in place, hopefully wants to lean on us a little bit more. Piece that I used to have to do, you'd really do your job as athletic training and you'd also teach your job how to do athletic training. So I think that those are things that can be bridged in this side too. And I see the two professions kind of mate, kind of paralleling themselves a little bit. And I feel as though strength and conditioning is kind of where athletic training was when I first got into it. And I feel it kind of gives me a little bit of an advantage going through to kind of to give this realm. And th this is weird. This is something that just kind of popped up. One of the biggest struggles for me initially, Skip, when I was going to these places was, what do you do again? Because having this dual title of being an athletic trainer and also teaching within exercise phys was a big hang up for them and then created a hang up for me. So now that I've got that piece kind of removed and I'm, I'm, I'm leading up the strength and conditioning education program. Now it kind of gives you a more clear picture of what you do and the person that you're working with a little clearer picture of what you do. And it, it just makes opening the door a little easier. Can we, can you talk about that as you describe it, that hang up a little bit more, because I, I think you've touched on something that is a conversation point for a lot of the people that, that we work with and a lot of the people I assume that you're having the conversation, which, which is oftentimes there is not the easiest relationship between athletic training and strength conditioning. And anytime those two entities communicate better, you tend to see better results for the student athletes. Um, and I just wonder when you talk about that as a hangup, what that process was like for you, because, you know, as described, you kind of have a foot on each side, right? And then are removing the concept of there being two sides to some degree. So how is that all sort of flushed out for you as you worked on it? 
Well, first, first of all, I think anything in athletics, as I've grown to know, is really territorial. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't there's a matter. few. There's a few at alphas football, in the room at any no given kidding, time. Right? So yeah, love we love that. In fact, I would describe myself as that. But at at some points during the day, you're the lead pack wolf, and at other points during the day, you're not. And you have to kind of know when you're that person and when you're not, and when you know your role at different points in the day, which I think is such a unique thing to both strength and conditioning and athletic training that it really helps that uh, helps that relationship out of time. I will tell you this. I, I think when I was an athletic trainer, one of the biggest things that I gave because I used to work with football and coach Paul, our head football coach now would always give me a chance to talk to freshmen coming in. And one of the biggest things that I would say to them is here's the deal. I don't care what your relationship was with your athletic trainer in the past, good, bad, indifferent. I can tell you, I want that all wiped away. And what we're going to do is we're going to start anew. I can tell you right now that coach Paul and I talk every day. We have a very good relationship. We have a very good working relationship and that's the way you need to start this. So if you had a bad experience with somebody else, please don't start me out on that page because I'm not necessarily in that group and I'm not here to, to listen to you judge who you had before or make that, that reference who you had before it, it's, it's, we're starting anew and let's give me a chance to make a mistake. And I think that's with everyone that we get into and, and all I can do to improve that relationship is continue to foster a communication between strength conditioning coaches and athletic trainers. And because I have a foot in both, talk to them about the importance of, hey, this person to you and this person to you, and make sure that they understand that sometimes you're supposed to talk and sometimes you're supposed to listen, you know, and, and sometimes you're gonna be the smartest one and sometimes you don't need to be the smartest one. And, and I think that's the biggest thing, whether you're communicating with, I don't care with anyone. I, I think the art of this and probably the biggest thing I've had to work on, Skip, is just shutting up. You know, it, it's hard sometimes just to not, you get so excited about this stuff and I get so fired up about this stuff that when I'm in meetings and want to share that with people, I, I just got to shut up sometimes and listen. And, and that's one of those things I've really been prone to work on, but I think simple communication, don't take anything for granted. I do that in the classroom. I tell our kids all the time, I can learn as much from you as you can learn from me. And if you, if you give them vulnerability and show them that you can make mistakes, I think they buy in a ton more. Well, so first of all, uh, I, I find it fascinating. I think it's a great approach uh, to get ahead of it like that. Right. And so it reminds me, um, of a conversation that, that Pat Ivy and I were having. I mean, I'm over, I'm, I'm probably making this a little too simple, but you sort of are asking your student athletes to, to, in a way, not think so much about the title, but think people first, like they're giving you a chance, right. As a person with that role to do right by them. No, is, question. Is, I mean, is that a fair way to summarize it? Right. Absolutely. And when they can then exchange or give you the benefit of that doubt. Boy, yeah. What a nice starting point. No question. Judge me on judge me on personal power, not positional power. You know, I, I think that that's really important. And and I think, you know, I just got done talking about that this morning 
with our kids. And, and I think there's a lot of authority and stuff that comes with being the head athletic trainer or being the head strength coach. But that doesn't necessarily give me respect and those things with the people. It's the combination of the two. And until we can kind of break our own personal barriers as far as building that wall that I'm not going to listen to AT or I'm not going to listen to S&C because you've seen it. I'm sure Skip, where you go to places when it works, it works and it works great. (laughs) It's just one of those things that you wish you wouldn't have to see or have to talk about. But the reality is it, it is. And I think as we do more stuff like this and we introduce more people into the profession, that will continue to grow. Oh, I, I think you're a hundred percent, hundred percent correct. And I mean, to be fair, we're, I feel like we as elite form are pretty lucky in that we almost hear these stories about how departments interact. But then when I see how the folks we work with work with their counterparts, like I don't see a lot of that animosity or that rift that gets described. And so, you know, it could just be, you know, awareness creates an opportunity for an all, us all to get better, right? Right. And um, clearly they're aware of it because it's a conversation point. And maybe, you know, we're just sort of lucky enough to, to encounter all these great teams of people um, who are not, I mean, really at the end of the day, almost everyone we work with just is always going to circle back to the athlete. Right. Right. And so like um, when Elite Form first started, we had this concept of the wheel and at the center was the athlete. And then we just had, what are all the to- touch points around that? And I feel like I came away from our first conversation thinking, this, what you're doing at, at Northern is another step in sort of making sure all of those dots are well connected, like a, around training and performance. Because there has previously not really been an SNC curriculum that a lot of people can go into. It's usually learned by apprenticeship in many ways um but athletic athletic training obviously the closer the closer that's moved to medical and tell me if you agree the less it has been the case that it's been apprenticeship it's been more traditional academia and how you'd move through that process is that fair yeah i i would absolutely think i would absolutely agree with that and you know you can even look at the you know their our kids clinical experiences in athletic training being you know, six experiences, one being at a PT clinic, one being with an equipment intensive sport is almost like a residency program as they're going through getting used to if you're going to use the medical model as that is used. And that's why I think it works. I think it's there. And that's why I'm just kind of giving that a practicum name because I think it fits in strength and conditioning and giving them an, an opportunity to see how a coach, a, a, a ball coach and a strength coach interact. Give them an opportunity to see how the head athletic trainer or the sport athletic trainer and the coach interact. How can it be done? How, how in, in, in some cases, I think, how shouldn't it be done? I think there's opportunities out there and I try to tell my kids this all the time. You may be put in a super crappy position. But I tell you what, I've been put in some pretty crappy positions before that I think I learned more from those. It's hard knocks, but I think I learn more from those situations sometimes than I do from the really positive ones because I think they go away sometimes thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be rainbows and clouds everywhere where I go. And, and we all know that every family 
has their hiccups and and it's just a matter of being able to get over those can we flush them and get out uh, get out of that situation and move on that that i think is huge you go back to touch points you know back to the the spokes and the wheel and all that stuff i'll even take it one step further skip i i think the profession of strength and conditioning has made that jump for for them to be able to consider and to know that we need to have an accredited education program by 2030 is their recognition from the national strength and conditioning association side to say we need to clean this up we we need to do some things that that could be a little bit better like we can mimic some of these other programs that we may not want to admit to it but we should and and now how do we get that going and make a more prepared professional going into the field and i'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight and i'm not saying that we have all the answers but i think a combined effort with the intern model and with the education model that we can make it better i don't see how it can go worse well when you you know when you mention that accreditation by 2030 um can you can you talk a little bit more about like what the goal is of that outcome and at least at a high level of, of how people envision getting there because like when you first brought that up to me, I mean, you know, maybe I just missed it. I try to pay attention, but yeah. I don't catch everything. Like um, for those who may not know, like, like what is the goal of that? And, and, and how are we going to get there in 2030? So, so I think this is where I turn to my wife. She's been the athletic training program director for a long time. So when it comes to accreditation and all this stuff, I was like, Show well, she, if she can slide in, feel free, but we can also just do another hour with her sometime. That's right. I said, show, you got to help me out. And she goes, Kurt, this is awesome because you're sliding into this when this is in infancy. And they, so, so the national strength and conditioning, basically with accreditation, they come in with education guidelines that you need to meet. So now what a better, it, it, I don't have any roadmap for much, but I do have kind of a guidance for what it needs to be taught in classes and those sorts of things. So you have to meet those academia or cur curriculum standards there just to kind of give you the, the 30,000 feet view They're They're making sure that you have a CSCS on staff. They're making sure that this, this staff member um, has enough time to dedicate to the education piece. If you um, have more, more, um, if you have an accreditation interest, then you're going to have to have a prof within that that's CSCS and also a director that's CSCS because you're gonna have to give them a break. And, and I think the whole thing is in, in this skip, like athletic training is, we wanna put out a consistent product. And so I think their goal here is to, if we can reform some consistency in the undergrad preparation or the curricular preparation, that then we're a little, we're a little more apt to be able to understand what the product should be at first year or after that graduation year from undergrad. And there's a little more consistency with what I can expect. Because before you, you had first aid, you had CPR, it didn't really matter what your major was. You could take the CSCS and, and, and go from that route. So I went to a couple of these places and we'd have exercise phys kids there interning, but a history major or a criminal justice major that had an interest in this and they're starting completely over and their background wasn't as involved in this as maybe some of our exercise phys kids coming in and not that it gave them a heads up on the 
the strength piece, but it definitely gave them a heads up on the the background, the physiology of that. And and I think just a more consistent product coming out. They know what to expect. Here's the rules you need to play by. Here's and if you're not doing it this way, then you're not gonna you're not gonna qualify for this. They're taking in six accreditation uh, pieces this year. So kit so schools. They're only taking in six, which I think is a good move on their part where they're looking at accrediting six programs this year. I can't tell you right now what six have applied or anything because as a university, ONU I think is gonna make me prove myself a little bit with, with that I can make this work. And quite honestly, I think I wanna put the program through at least one ring of classes before I pursue that. So that's a two or three year goal for me and okay. at, earliest, at earliest, maybe next year um, for me to pursue that in the fall. But but that's where I'm going with that. And, and it's been a lot of help with people that have been from accredited programs that are surrounded, that are really close to me to kind of help lay out the framework. So it's laid out like an accredited program is going to be looked at. And, and I think it will make it easier when we go through the process. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I just... Uh because getting into strength conditioning right now um it just doesn't have that there there's not the same touch points as there are in a typical i'm going to major in physics right sort of process um i think for people who are like are intrigued like the idea didn't know that 2030 was even a date that was like you know was a benchmark right it's it's just good to kind of lay that foundation um, but if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Uh, our touch, our, our common touch point, Mr. Rick Dannison. <laughs> so shout out to Rick. Um, uh, just out of curiosity, cause I actually think his story is probably decent background in terms of a student athlete who's considering like becoming a coach. Like, how do you know Rick? And, uh, yeah, can can you kind of take us through, like when, how you know Rick, his story, and then obviously how we got connected a little bit, maybe. Absolutely, um, they, uh, Skip. I'll tell you that I my mom was a school teacher for a long time, and, and I'm going to jump into this. I'll get into the Rick conversation for. You're good. She she preached to me that you better treat people the right way because you never know when it's going to come back. And, and help you in this case. And this could be a no better example throughout than anything. I was, I was Rick's athletic trainer um, for when he played football here. And Rick has the, the type of personality that you want to get to know and you want to get to know in a hurry. He's very, you know, approachable in those, those situations. But I would describe Rick as, and, 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 and I got to know him in football before I actually had him in class one of the most dedicated football kids to the game that I've ever met in my life. And I've never seen a kid that could be so different in different aspects than Rick Danison. And I mean that totally positive. When he was on the football field, you were really glad he was on your team. When he was in the room, you expected that in the classroom, you expected that to be Rick. And that wasn't even close to who Rick was. So I like to think that sometimes he plays this coy, I'm not really as smart as you think I am card a lot of times. And 
that is by far the furthest thing from the truth with Rick Dennison. And so I, I, there's a couple of big moments in athletics that I will remember. I've worked with the Indianapolis Colts as an athletic trainer before. I've, I've been at the Division One level before. And I can still, t- still tell you to this day, one of the best things was when we beat Mount Union and broke their streak of 110 conference game wins. And Rick was a part of that team. And there are a lot of kids from that team still to this day that I have really good friendships with. And, and I think the important part was for me, as I, I preach to our kids all the time, those things started with respect. Those things didn't start with a friendship. Those things start with respect and then later on mold into friendship. And it can't happen the other way around or it just doesn't go well. It has to happen that way. And it has happened that way for me where I there's another kid on that team recently that just asked me to be a godparent of one of their of one of their children. And I could not tell you how honored and humbled I was about that. And then when these kids, I call them the kids still, Skip, it makes me feel but when they go out in the profession and then they are able to give back to the profession like you knew they could and like you knew they would someday, I, I, I could be so proud. They make me so proud. And, and I couldn't shout out enough to them and in those situations. And just to note that I had a hand, a little bit of peace in that. It's awesome. And when you call me and say, hey, let's cut to the chase. Rick Danison had nothing but really good things to say about you. I swell up with pride. I can't tell you. Well, yeah. Um, I think that goes back to that people first. Like, again, I'm reminded a little bit of my conversation with Pat Ivey, like the idea of people first, right? And then how uh, that those respectful relationships not just grow, but they just maintain themselves in a way that almost takes very little effort. It, right. Like, uh, one of the, you know, you were talking about there have been some, some positives to COVID and um, how you're able to have these longer conversations with coaches. And I would echo that. And, and some of the things you're saying are really resonating in that. Like I, sometimes I would have a conversation with a coach that we've worked with, with for an extended period of time. Um, and yes, technically from a business standpoint, they're clients, but like you gain respect for them, they become friends. And I just realized I've just sort of, as, as a lead form has grown, I've just missed catching up with people. Yeah. I've missed like, being able to have the time to not just say, Hey, okay, can we, can we tease out time to peak? Right. Uh, like out of this graph? Sure we can. Right. Those, those are a lot of those conversations. And I was missing out on, you know, Hey, how's the family? Right. Right. And not just the quick brush stroke, but the legitimate, well, here's what's really going on. Like the extra 10 minutes, right. Where, well, please go I, ahead. I think- I think that's crazy that you say that because I just talked this last week about when you ask somebody how they're doing, really ask them how they're doing and stop and listen. Because yes. if, you don't, if you don't mean it, don't, don't be the person who walks down the hall and says, how you doing? And you go, thank you. You answer the wrong question because you don't even know really what they said. Yeah. Well said. I think that's so such a, a skill that we shouldn't need to teach we need to teach. We, we need to, we need to teach and we need to do. And if you can't do those things, then, then 
so be it. I was talking to the track coach, you know, later or earlier this week, and he said, you know, Kurt, there's so many things that we learn at the bar or we learn, we go to these conferences and we will learn so much more maybe having a conversation over supper or over a drink that may be exposed or, or, or get you involved in a relationship that, that I think is so important. And that's what I'm missing. And so if this takes the place of that, so be it. But I also think in this profession that we need to take lead for these young professionals and go, if I'm at a conference and I run into Skip Cronin, then I need to take that senior undergrad student and go, you know what? This is, this is Tanner. This is, this is Cole. This is Skip Cronin from Elite. And, and, and invite them into that circle. And I told them that I learned that from people that in my profession that were good. They could have kept me out of that circle. They could have done that, but they didn't. And it allowed me then to get involved in that in some sort of way, or at least be able to strike up a conversation next time with them. And I think the good ones then start to include the younger ones in their little casual conversation just as they go. And I think that's so huge. Well, when it's done well, and it sounds like you would agree, that that's a mentorship in and of itself. Like that's a clinical, a practicum in and of itself. Uh, because, you know, in so many ways, when we do try to structure things, it doesn't allow us like enough range to cover the, to cover these little contextual cues, right? That just come up in a natural conversation. And even if, even if you're doing your best in a coaching moment, 45 minutes in a weight room, right? Trying to get teams in and out. Maybe it's not possible, but I mean, that's where, I don't know if people joke about, I'm sure you're going to show my age. I don't know if people joke about the water cooler anymore. Right. Right. And talking around the water cooler, but there was some truth to those being valuable conversations. Um, no question. The other, the other thing I was going to mention about Rick, cause we are getting starting to kind of wind down. That's okay. Um, you had mentioned something earlier in our chat that I think, um, is is interesting and also how you described Rick and it's this. So he he is able to get in a room with athletes. Um and a lot of this like when I met him, he was on staff at IU, right? Now he's at Michigan State. Um and that whole staff at IU I think is very good at this. Rick clearly understands the science. But he doesn't stand in a weight room when he's trying to motivate kids to perform and you know, start drawing Venn diagrams all over the wall. So, you know, something silly like that. He knows, I think this is an Einstein quote that I'm gonna paraphrase. He knows his material so well that he's able to explain it simply and in context in those moments. And um, like whatever he learned from you and, and like his, his route through coaching, it's very clear that he's able to combine those things and yet still somehow, and I think Coach Feld kind of fits into this realm as well, they may look the part, so to speak. There may be that image, but the background is there. The solid science is there. They're just putting it forward in a way that works really well in that environment. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and it means a lot that you see that because I try to tell – I, I try to portray that. It doesn't matter. You've got to know who you're talking to 
when you're having conversations. You've got to be able to, when we're having a conversation, I've got to be able to talk science with certain people. I've got to be able to do that. When, when you're having conversations with other people, they don't care about the science. They just want to know what they need to do, reps and sets. They, they want to know how to get there. When do I get out? How is this going to make me faster? I trust that you're this person. And, and I think that that is what upper level learning is for me. It's not about what's, it's not about teaching you what's in the textbook. You should read what's in the textbook. And I tell our kids this, the import, if I had to go back and do it all over again, I would have paid much more attention to reading with the syllabus because it would have been able, I would have been able then to tie it to what the teacher was saying much better. It's my job, I believe, to teach the practical real life application and to help you understand it so that later you know it well enough to explain it to the engineering athlete, to the exercise phys athlete, to the construction management athlete, and they all know, not to mention you got a football player that you can't handle like a golfer, that you can't handle like a women's volleyball player. And I think that those are things that are really important. And so if you'd ask most of my kids, they will tell you, I'm the king of stupid analogies, probably probably to a to a fault. And but you know what? That's now I can't, now I want to know one. Now I want to know like what was the last stupid analogy? So so we'll do. Um, do you have any go tos? We'll, we'll do FedEx delivery a lot of times when we're talking about simple lactate threshold and stuff like that. When when we're going to hey, there, there's not your body's not going to want to clear lactate unless you stimulate and get a lot of lactate there, like over Christmas time. FedEx doesn't hire a bunch of people to work at FedEx to deliver packages all year round, they hire a bunch of Christmas <laughs> the demand is there. And so you've got to get these people to work. And if you're going to keep them working like it's Christmas all year round in your body, then you've got to demand lactate threshold. I love it. I love it. And if, if you don't mind, I may borrow that. I'll cite my sources, but I, <laughs> I, may, have, I may have to borrow that sometime. Hey, Skip, teaching and, teaching and coaching is glorified stealing. So you, you don't need to cite me. <laughs> I was a philosophy major, though, so it's sort of ingrained by now that uh, that that has to happen. So we'll, we'll find some happy balance in, in between. I understand. I respect that. <laughs> um, so if I'm a student and I'm considering majoring in SNC, right? Yeah. Um, this may be an oversimplification, but like it tends to, it seems to me those conversations tend to go two ways. People pick a major out of passion, or they often pick a major because they think it's going to lead um, to a job position, right? It's right. almost a vocational choice. Are, are you seeing that go one particular way or the other? Is it more the passion side, or do you I, have I, a sense for that yet, or is it all too new? I think it's really new for me, but but I think the the sense is normally we've always had kids one, two, three a year that are probably interest, more interested in strength and conditioning than the, than the complete exercise phys piece. And if I can, just to give you an example, we have 27 exercise phys kids in our major. And out of those 27, six, just to give you a proportionate, six of those are strength and conditioning. So I, I should say 21 true, but as we, we marry ourselves so close together that, sure. that we're going to sure. be, we're doing those things together. So I think it's new yet, a little new yet, but I, I've seen the kids that come in that really are interested in this area. And right now, all I have is the capture of 
the collegiate coach. And I think you and Coach McKeever are talking about this a little bit, that as a profession, we kind of need to broaden what we do because mom and dad are sitting down there going, okay, so what, what can I do with this profession? Looking at it as global going, okay, I don't want to really narrow myself too much. And, and there is that, I, I have to be aware of that, that when we are pinpointing to grab a target, a small target, then we're going to miss some people and we're going to miss some people from practical reasons. And, and I've, I've grown to realize that a little bit, but I think if you're going to choose to specialize again, let's make pizza the right way. And hopefully enough of those people get out or have word of mouth to sell this. And I, I don't even like that term to talk about this program with honesty. And then when people come to Ohio Northern, they'll get it true. Skip, I was stopped. I was stopped by a student the other day, a freshman student in the hall and says, my mom asks about you all the time. And I'm like, Peyton, your mom asks about me all the time. She goes, yep, she asks about me all the time. And she wonders if you're really the way you were all the time on, as you were on our campus visit. And I said, Peyton, that made my day because this is what you get. Hey, Kurt, we're about to get cut off. Yeah. So I apologize for that, but thank you very much.